So I'm going to talk to you tonight about, um, in a sense, one of my pet peeves, one of my burning desires. Um, the thing the formation team want me to do with you as a group through this year is a focus on diocesan priestly formation. So I gather last year with um, Father Mangel, you looked at various things with virtues and so forth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm not at least directly going to talk about virtues this year with you, but I am going to talk about different things that relate to diocesan priestly spirituality. Um, and the living out of that and some things in the parish context. Um, and the first two sessions we're going to have together um, are very much my agenda things and that they're dear to my heart and what I've spoken about and written about. So next session we're going to talk about, uh, you're going to look at a, an article I've written on the Evangelical Councils and the Diocesan Priesthood that uh, I published a few years ago. But tonight uh, I want to talk to you about the new evangelization and the new evangelization in connection to America and the diocesan priesthood. Um, so um, those of you that were at when I um, gave a like, five minute introduction of myself to the theology house a couple of months ago, I kind of said what I'm going to say in two minutes. So I'm going to say some of those points a bit longer. Uh, with you now, and then we can have a kind of discussion about them. And I basically want to make four points this evening. First, I want to comment on the state of the world. So, you know, reading the signs of the times, to use that phrase from Vatican II, what is the state of the world we're living in? What are the signs of the times? Then to talk about why evangelization has to be what we're about. Um, why that's in the church documents, why it needs to be what we're doing in our parishes. Then I want to connect that with our moment in history, uh, and particularly what I think is America's at least potential role in that for the good. And then lastly, to focus that on parish life, and with that obviously the diocesan priest in the parish role. Those are the kind of the four things I want to kind of run through. So first, the state of the world as we're living in it now. Um, and I would say, in terms of where are we going, that there are two possibilities. Either we're heading towards the second coming and the end of the world, or we're heading to a whole new Christendom, a whole new rebirth of the gospel. So if you look statistically, we have been living through, in the Western world certainly, the greatest apostasy that there has been in the history of the church in the last 2,000 years. The, the vast numbers, the tens of millions who have turned away from the gospel. The countries that once used to be the heart of Christendom, where now you can go and Christianity is barely a rumour of what used to be the case. Um, I don't know if any of you have read this book, Mass Exodus, by Stephen Bullivant. Um, a very good statistical analysis of a lot of that. Um, he's focusing his statistics, he's a British writer, on America and the UK. Um, very worth reading, um, particularly if you're younger, to kind of get a, re a sense of how the last half century, just how much the ground has shifted under our feet. 
So all those people leaving, leaving the church, leaving Christ, who no longer even know his name, leaving God, you know, atheism, or as Pope Benedict put it, at least practical atheism, people behaving as if there was no God, is the norm in so many places. And there are two ways that can go. Um, one way is, you know, John Paul II's call for a new evangelization. That here we have a problem, here we have a situation to address, and we address it by bringing what we have to bring, by not just abandoning people who have turned from Christ, abandoning nations who have turned from Christ, but calling them back, bringing them back. The other possibility is that we are living through what the book of Revelation describes as the great apostasy before the return of the Lord. And this is a very real possibility. And if you read um, the writings of John Paul II, actually there are echoes of this in his various sermons and writings. So there's a book called Heralds of the Second Coming. And it goes through various saints of the 20th century, but focuses a lot on the writings of John Paul II. And one of the refrains in many of his addresses was watchmen, um, what of the night, what of the night? So that, you know, the watchmen on the city tower would be looking to see, is the dawn breaking or not? Is the sun returning? Uh, and the, in the application of this in John Paul II's writings, you know, watchmen, is, is Christ coming? Can we see him? Is the dawn breaking? And this is one of the possibilities, that we are living through a mass apostasy that is preparing for the second coming. So vast nations have left. A third of the active, third of priests have left the active priesthood in the last, de you know, decades. You know, one, one of my observations is a a priest in England is people no longer even recognize a priest. Uh, I go into a supermarket and people will think that I'm um, a shop assistant. Um, they'll see it's a uniform of some kind and think that I know where the baked beans are and they'll say, you know, where are the baked beans? Um, that Christianity is barely known. But what are we to do in that situation? Well, John Paul II, you know, a man of great courage, conviction, called for a new evangelization. Now, either that is a new evangelization to be successful, or at the very least, if we are looking ahead to the second coming, <coughs> then surely as it's mapped out in Revelation, there will be a, a last battle, and it will be a spiritual battle. And a spiritual battle will mean it will look like an attempt to win the people back, an attempt at the new evangelization. And it'll be our job to save lost souls in the midst of, of that catastrophe before he returns. So that either way, our role is to be evangelizers. Um, whether it's before the second coming or whether it's to build a new Christendom, we are to be evangelizers. And a number of you know, church documents the recent popes, Paul VI, um, but then much more emphatically and 
repeatedly under John Paul II and then Pope Benedict and Pope Francis. This has been a repeated theme of the church. So Paul VI said, so this is basically my second point, the church exists to evangelize. Why is the church here? We exist to evangelize. Pope Francis put it in his first encyclical, Evangelii Gaudium, missionary outreach is paradigmatic of all church activity. Paradigmatic. It's the model of everything we do. So what is evangelization? It's bringing people to Christ, bringing Christ to people, enabling that encounter. Everything we do in the church has to have that as its model. Whether I'm doing First Holy, First Holy Communion preparation, or whether I'm doing confirmation, or whether I'm visiting the sick, it has to be the model of it is bringing Christ to others that they might meet Christ and follow him. This is what we're about. That evangelization is the model of everything. And that in our context especially, we need to be much more explicit about this. For you as Americans. So in your American church documents on seminary formation, they talk about evangelization. So, you know, the, the latest edition of the program of priestly formation for seminaries says, it is necessary that all priests have the heart of a missionary. The church is truest to her identity when she is an evangelizing church. This is because the very nature of the church is missionary. And then here at the Josephinum, you know, our own founder, um, Joseph Jessing, um, in the original constitution he wrote for us, he said, as founder of this college, I direct that its purpose is that students educated in this institution be devoted to missionary activity for the conversion of those living in the United States. And he goes on, first the German-Americans, obviously in his context, then all people to gain souls for Christ. So this is the universal mission that the church is being called to in our moments in time especially. It's what our American bishops are calling us to in our seminaries. It's what the Josephinum had, even in its original code. So it's got to be what we're about if we're being authentic. So that's my second point. Now my third point is trying to root that in America um, and our moment in history. And I want to make a comparison to you. So there's this phrase, the new evangelization. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's think about the old evangelization, in a sense, the first evangelization, when the gospel first went out. What did providence line up to make that spread of the gospel possible? What in the plan of God facilitated that? That God had a plan then, he has a plan now. Well, in the old evangelization, the first, when the gospel was first spread across the known world, as we called it, providence had arranged certain things that facilitated that, that made it possible. So because of the Roman Empire and the Greek Empire before that, there was a common culture across the known world that made it possible for the gospel to spread. There was a common language, Latin, 
that you know not every single person spoke, but it was spoken everywhere, which made it possible to communicate this this message, this lived reality of the gospel. Then there was peace, you know, the, the Pax Romana. Um, now, you know, that if you were at the receiving end of the conquering Romans, that didn't feel too good, but it did mean that there was a stability across a huge part of the world that made it possible for the gospel to spread. And with that, there was a center to it all. There was Rome. Some people hated Rome, some people loved Rome, but everybody knew Rome. Everybody looked to Rome. All of which meant that when the gospel went out from Rome, there was a, a reason to listen to what was being said and that providence had made this possible. Now, if there's going to be a new evangelization, well, what we need is a language that is common to our world. Well, we have that. We have English. Um, we have a, a shared culture, a culture in the sense that is recognized everywhere, not equally so, but that everybody can understand and relate to. You know, we all complain about Hollywood, but because of Hollywood, everybody knows America. We need a center where there are people living the gospel who have struggled to live the gospel, but succeeded in living the gospel. A culture that has integrated the old and the new. And I would say America seems uniquely poised to fulfill that task. So you might think, well, where else could you start to spread the gospel from a Catholic core? Well, you might say, well, Poland. Poland, solid Catholic, fully Catholic, real Catholic. But there's nothing about Poland that looks internationally. And the world doesn't look to Poland. Um, so Poland's not situated for it. China. Well, China, you know, a billion people speak Chinese. But the gospel doesn't really have a foothold there. Um, and China doesn't look international, and the world doesn't look to China in a way that uh, embeds it. America, however, I'd say does have the potential to be this spread of the, a new Pax Romana, a new culture that the world can, can relate to. But I know you who live here in America feel that the gospel is struggling here. But the battle for the gospel here is real. It hasn't been lost. And that means it's worth you fighting it, not just for yourselves, but for, I think, your mission to the rest of the world. Um, that if you can win the battle for the gospel here, then everything that needs to be wor won worldwide in our moment in history will have been won here because all the problems actually are, are here. So in the first evangelization, you ended up as a result of it with Christendom. You had a marrying of the gospel with kings and castles and a feudal system, all under a legal system inspired by the gospel. But the old Christendom is gone. And we can't just make it 
try and come back. We need a new Christendom in which all kinds of aspects of modern living are engaged with and converted to the gospel. And if, they, if we can do that here in America, then we're ready to take that everywhere. So the challenge of making capitalism and consumerism and materialism, if we can meet that with the gospel here, so that the life of industry and finance and the gospel is made coherent here, then it can be taken everywhere. If we can marry the gospel and democracy and the respect for the person implicit in democracy, then there's a Christian value there that, yes, is struggling with an individualism also in America, but if that can be won here, then it's ready to be taken everywhere. And similarly with the battle for you know, sexual licentiousness, if we can win that here, if we can win in Hollywood, then we've got a, a context, a message for that to be taken everywhere in the world today to serve the world, not just to serve America. So I believe this is America's moment in history. And so your duty isn't just for your people and your parishes, but for the sake of the world. So that's my third point done. So I said the state of the world in general, the need to evangelize in general, and the America's, I think, unique role at this moment in history. Now my fourth and final point is where this comes into the parish, and with that the diocesan priest. So in um, Pope Francis's document, encyclical Evangelii Gaudium, he reflects on the place of the parish. So what is evangelizing about? Where should it be happening? Well, he says it's not about specialists. Um, so, you know, you might think in America, so I did over the years a fair bit of work with, with FOCUS, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. You know, that's one of the most amazing groups in America, um, evangelizing, missionary, um, pioneering a wonderful vision of, of Christian formation and taking that to others. They are missionary experts, but they're not the model of what Evangelii Gaudium is calling for in evangelizing. That the parish is the model being called for. The parish is the thing we are being asked to transform so that the parish becomes the place that is the locus of evangelization. So Pope Francis says, the parish is not an outdated institution precisely because it possesses great flexibility. And I think many of us who have been pastors, and particularly been pastor of more than one place, you can see this, that the parish varies a lot from place to place, and with that it has the potential to be adapted in place and place. That what we need, he says, is in all its activities, the parish must encourage and train its members to be evangelizers. And you know, he's reflecting that this has been the mission that's been laid out. John Paul II, Benedict, now him. 
He says, we must admit, though, that the call to review and renew our parish has not yet sufficed to bring them nearer to people, to make them environments of living communion and participation, to make them completely mission-oriented. But that's what the parish needs to be. So he says, well, and, and on this point, it's not just him, this is also Benedict and JP two before him. Um, where does evangelization happen? Well, there are three principal settings. I don't know if you've had this laid out to you before, but just to repeat, three principal settings of evangelization. One is to inflame those who are already active in the Catholic faith. So, you know, if your families are already going to Mass, well, they are one rung of what the new evangelization needs to be targeting already. They're already at Mass, but they need to be fired up. Uh, we all need to be fired up more. But that there are lots in particular of people who are there every Sunday, but maybe there isn't a fire in them. Well, that fire in them is part of what the new evangelization needs to those that are already there every Sunday. The second field of the new evangelization is those who were once there on a Sunday but are no longer. Those that are lapsed or those that are only nominally baptized. Um, and obviously there's a huge number of those. So you know here in America, the largest single denomination is Catholicism. The second largest single denomination is lapsed Catholics. You know, there's a huge number out there that are in this category of people that need to be reached to, to be brought to the Lord, active in faith, brought to conversion. And then the third field, what in a sense might be the most obvious when we use the word evangelization, to bring those who do not know Jesus Christ, who have always rejected him, to know and to love him. And if you grew up now, so those of your generation in Western Europe, the person of Jesus Christ would be an utter stranger. There's no longer hostility to the gospel. It's no longer a thing that's rejected. It's just a thing that isn't known. Um, you know, the number of times I've had somebody look at a crucifix and say, you know, what's that? Um, Twice this last year, you know, back to the appearance of clerical dress, I've had somebody look at me and say, I've seen that in the movies, that means something, doesn't it? Um, remind me. Um, they're just so far removed. Well, those people that have never known the Lord, those are this third field that we need to reach to in the new evangelization. So in Evangelii Gaudium, Pope Francis says, um, as I've quoted already, that evangelizing needs to be the model of everything we do, paradigmatic. He says that means we need to shift from a pastoral strategy of simply conservation and maintaining to something that is decidedly missionary in its focus. So many of our parishes, 
the structure of all the activity is about catechizing those who are already on our books, um, serving those who are already on our books, conserving what's there. And he says we need to move beyond that. Um, and in many places, certainly I know our, our kind of English perspective is that that has failed as a strategy and that it's just seeing our numbers go down, down, down. Um, we need something different. We need a profoundly missionary pastoral strategy. And he says in one of the most frightening phrases in Evangelii Gaudium, he says it has to transform everything in the church. Our customs, our ways of doing things, our times, our schedules, our language, our structures, that everything in the church, pretty much in our parishes, is designed to serve the people that are already there, even if they're only there half-heartedly. Well, we need to have a strategy that's designed for the people that aren't there. So this book, Rebuilt, um, which is one of the things I've tried to implement in my parish by uh, Father Michael White and uh, assistant of his, Tom Corcoran, it talks about what he calls the Sunday experience. It says, if you were a complete newcomer and turned up to your church for the first time, what would be your experience? And I found as a pastor that's quite a, a frightening thought, really. Um, so he talks about things like um, the toilets being disgusting in many places. Um, the car park being unwelcoming, the signposts not indicating where you're to go, but actually all kinds of things actually pretty rapidly indicate this is an institution that only exists for the people that already belong. And if you don't already belong, there's nothing about our setup that is designed to help you find out anything, um, even the way to the toilet. Um, Pope Francis is saying that we need to transform everything so that it has this missionary focus, missionary potential. Okay, now I want to say a word about the structure of evangelizing. So Pope Francis talks about this, various books on evangelizing talk about this, but a pretty obvious model is how you make a new friend. Um, so if you think about how you introduce a friend to somebody, well, you, you have an introduction. You present them to somebody. And by that introduction, they become capable of having an encounter with them and having a relationship with them. But without that encounter, everything else is impossible. So um, before the 2012 Synod of Bishops, the Instrumentum Laboris document said, the goal of all evangelization is to create the possibility for this encounter. So we need to set up in our parish life all kinds of things that make it possible to have that encounter. Whether it's our social events, whether it's our catechetical events, whether it's our preaching, so that it becomes an opportunity, uh, 
it's directed towards making that encounter possible. Whether that encounter is for the person who's never met Christ, whether it's for the person who is lapsed and just drifting that one weekend in, or whether it's for someone who's there every Sunday but not committed, everything has to be structured to make it possible to have that encounter with the Lord that makes it possible to follow him and maybe follow him in a new way. So Pope Francis um, quotes Pope Benedict on this point. He says, I never tire of repeating those words of Pope Benedict which take us to the very heart of the gospel. And here's Pope Benedict's words. Being a Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which brings life, a new horizon, and a decisive direction. Sorry, that's the um, Riders of Rohan calling. Okay, Pope Francis, encounter. Back to encounter. Pope Francis makes a couple, I think, very profound observations about this in terms of the gospel. So if you read the gospel, um, and this has been what, one of the things I've tried to focus increasingly on in my preaching, that moment of encounter that we see time and again in the gospel when people meet the Lord Jesus, and it does something. Pope Francis talks about how joy Joy fills the hearts and lives of those who encounter Christ. And he has a very, he says, so he points to the very beginning of John's gospel, John chapter 1, verse 39, um, when, you know, those fishermen are by the sea and they first meet the Lord. And it says, the apostles never forgot the moment when Jesus touched their hearts. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So John's writing his gospel, presumably decades later, and he can remember the very time in the afternoon that that happened. That the encounter with the Lord was powerful then, and we need to make it powerful for people now. So we can kind of follow this up in discussion in a minute, but I just want to briefly describe to you what I did in the two parishes I've had. So I've been teaching in seminaries 14 years. Um, I've been teaching, I've been pastor of two different parishes in sequence at the same time as doing that teaching. And I've tried to make the new evangelization part of my parish's life, as well as part of my life. So one of the things I did in both parishes is I um, gave free copies of this book, Forming Intentional Disciples by Sherry Waddell. Um, and I said anybody who was willing to read this book in a book reading group um, would get a free copy of the book. Um, and that we then read it. So the last parish I was in, we had four different reading groups that met in parallel. Um, and we went through it chapter by chapter, week by week. Um, 
And because I made quite a big focus, I said, this is what is going to define our parish's life. Uh, if you want to be part of the future of the parish, if you want to know what my agenda for changing everything here is, um, come and read this book. And so I had um, one in five of my parishioners. Is that right? Forty... should have done the math before starting this. Um, 40 out of 200. Um, one in five. One in five, yeah. Which, given that, you know, all the 90-year-olds weren't going to come and the babies weren't going to come, it, it, was, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a large block of the parish. Um, so I got people to think that way and discuss that way with each other. Um, Linked with that, I then did a series of talks in both parishes describing what the new evangelization is and why it needs to change our parish's life and try and make some suggestions as to how that would change things. Repeatedly in my own preaching, I preached about how you as parishioners need to be inviting people to things and need to be thinking of who to invite. Um, And that's a big shift in parish culture. You know, not just us as priests, but our parishioners think in terms of, well, we are a nice little cosy group um, and I'm not going to embarrass myself by talking to somebody else about any of this. Um, well, we need to change that culture um, to be an invitational culture, that we're not afraid to invite people along. And that means we need to create events that it's possible to invite people along to. So every Easter, and particularly every Christmas, um, our parishes would produce invitation cards so that all of our parishioners could invite neighbours, friends, along to Midnight Mass. Um, but with that, always a follow-up event after Christmas that would just be something in, um, introductory about the person of Jesus Christ. And at Christmas, it's a fairly unthreatening moment to invite people along. But it does take shifting that culture, an invitational culture. Similarly, our parish social events, to not make those just about serving our members or serving the friends of the members, but actually to make that a tool to try and connect somebody to the church, to Christ. And the last bit of that, changing catechesis. So a loss of our time in um, catechetical work, whether we're preparing people for First Holy Communion or for Confirmation, um, we can do a lot of catechizing, but not a lot of evangelizing. So Sherry Waddell talks about how we've had a couple generations now where we have catechized the unevangelized. And that's just the nonsense. That catechesis is supposed to follow on from evangelization. It's supposed to educate those who have already met and decided they want to follow the Lord. Whereas instead what we're doing is we're just telling people about what it means to be a Catholic to people that don't already have that relationship with the Lord. So that means we need to change what our focus is when we're talking about the sacraments. Change how we potentially who your catechists are. You need a catechist who is 
themselves into an invitational mindset um, and catechetical materials that are structured that way and that you as a pastor need to talk to the parents of the children with that as your mindset not presuming and talking to them as if they were already had everything there and then lastly um, you need some form of team in your parish to lead this with you. You can't do it alone. Um, so in one of my parishes, I set up a leadership team. So that's what a lot of books on evangelization talk about now. Not, you know, your kind of old fashioned uh, parish council where everybody's on there with a little bit of power struggle and everybody's wanting to represent my block against your block. And, um, a leadership team or a vision team where they're trying to make that focus about everything in the parish life be evangelizing. Um, so people that are going to help you think that through, but I think also you need people that are doers, not just talkers, um, which is always easier to see that you need than it is to find. Um, so some parishes have leadership teams, some parishes have parish evangelization teams. From what I've seen in my own experience and elsewhere, you need to avoid let those becoming just talking shops of people getting together and saying, oh, everybody else needs to be doing, um, but people with, with practical ideas for how to make it work. Okay, so finally, to summarise what I've said. So, I have talked about the state of the world. I've said we are living through a mass apostasy. Uh, now, this could be the final apostasy before the second coming, or this could be a moment where what the popes are calling a new evangelization is to bring about a new Christendom. We as the church exist in order to evangelize. That's why the church was founded by the Lord. This is our mission. I said America, I think, is uniquely poised to be a potential springboard for a new Christendom, either to be the place where the last battle happens or to be the place where all the problems that need to be addressed here if they're addressed here, are ready to be solved everywhere. And that lastly, I said parishes are the primary context where the evangel new evangelization is to happen, and they therefore need priests that are going to lead them in.